I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Uh, it's good to have everybody back in the house. Um, well, I was, we were gone. Uh, had a little bit of time off. Jay's dad, dad and I got a little time off. You were still, <laughs> you were still working. I've been right? to New York. Jay just kept going. He just well, kept that's going. Why I didn't stop. He's got another Zach. show going on. I didn't stop at Zach's on the North Carolina. Zach got his feelings hurt. But I had been <laughs> driving or gel pad for uh, you know twelve hours because the hurricane yeah. was going to hit Florida, which it did, and. No, hey Jay, so I'm not offended. I, that would have been that I, I get that would have been a lot of trouble to to pull off the interstate and, and take about uh, I don't know 80, 80 seconds to pull in my driveway, get, get, you know, knock on the door, give me a hug. No, I'm not offended well, that, at all, man. Yeah, that's what that I thought. Been. You literally drove right by your house. But if somebody drives by my house and blows the horn, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so once, someone once said that expectations are are premeditated resentments so i will say <laughs> that i i have very low if any expectations and i was not i i, I was not offended and maybe that's why so no we're all good jace we, uh, we, we're reconciled we're good the number one according to james reason for fights and Quarrels among quarrels. You. What 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 is it? Well, I mean, we know the root was selfish ambition there in James, so I don't want to take mm-hmm. it out of context. But it was unmet expectations. <laughs> it says you want something but don't get it. Read James four one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? You want something, yeah. You don't get it. So right. that'll be a perfect theme when we get into the most non-talked about issue in the Bible that Jesus really spent a lot of time. Yeah, money, no, we're, I'm money excited. Money and possessions. So it's, it's kind of, uh, it's fun for us. You know, you guys are following along and, and I know how much you love our Bible study and what we're doing, doing that together, but we enjoy that too. And so we took a little, a little refresher from our normal, just, you know, week in, week out Bible study. But when I was diving back into this, Jace, I was excited about what we're going to be talking about later. So what did you, did you do anything? Was it all work and no play, Jace, on your travels? Did you get to do All work, fun, no, no play. But, you know, these, uh, I, I affectionately call them the TV people because, you know, we're just different. They, uh, you know, they want to go out and, the the show is about treasure hunting, but obviously, because we're fixed to talk about what how people view treasure. How do you define treasure? Right. And uh, I think you know when you play that out in the Bible, you realize that God treasures us enough to send His Son. I mean, so it's there's different ways to use the word, but part of who we are is one of life's treasures are you know, is going out and being able to live off the land. That's how we were raised. I mean, so we were in North Carolina and we were, actually there was a scrap that happened in the mid 1700s in North Carolina. And I mean a scrap, there was, there was a battle and the, the two forces against each other were the British government who at that time was, Running things here. Yep, yep. This is pre-revolutionary. War. We were just a colony. That's where we went. We were a British colony. And the there was a group of farmers known as regulators. And I don't want to give the episode away, but it's probably not going to air for you know two years because we're so far ahead. So these these guys got tired of paying taxes, and so they said we're just not going to do it. And uh, so they took on the British occupiers, of course, the regulators and the farmers, they lost. And so we went to supposedly where the camp was, the British Army camp, and and just to see what we would find. But it was also opening day of dove season in North Carolina. So they said, well, look, since that's something that y'all treasure, that's how it was put to me. Why don't we film, because we got invited to dove hunt, this guy's son-in-law, where we were at. I was like, well, great, because that gave me a reason. That's fun to me. They get to hunt. Yeah. Oh, well, opening day of dove season, North Carolina. In. 
But you got to remember, I knew nothing about where we were going, who was going to be there. They just said, we're going to film a dove hunt. And so contrary to what you may think about TV shows, especially ours, there's no script. There was no cut. We're going dove hunting. They sent us two cameramen and a producer. Well, the night before we were supposed to go on the hunt, I get a text from the said producer. It says, uh, we have, you know, everything we need because they had our guns, you know, that we, we yeah. brought on the trip, your, your bucket and your shells, and, and we have your hunter's orange. Well, I immediately <laughs> text back and said, hey, I didn't say what I was thinking. But <laughs> you idiot. I was thinking, hey, you moron. Because <laughs> they had like dove decoys, you know. And I was like, you don't have to wear hunter's orange, you know. So I said it very affectionately. <laughs> so he sent me a statute from North Carolina. And after I read it 17 times, I thought, I guess in North Carolina, you got to wear an wear a orange hat. I mean, it seemed like that's what it was saying. Very confusing. The dove hunt. So I thought, hey, if that's what we got to do. Went in North Carolina. So here I am for the first time in my life, 50-something years old. I'm wearing an orange hat. Jeff's got an orange hat, and they had him an orange bucket, (laughs) which it wasn't a bad idea because we were late because Jeff, you know, his life revolves around his BMs. (laughs) <laughs> that's bowel movement for so most young wow. people go by dms go. I direct messages jeff, jeff goes by the bm so daylight 6 30 we were we were supposed to, well we we're supposed to meet them at 6 30 it was 15 minutes away 6 15 i said jeff you ready nope <laughs> with a strain you know so we wind up getting there at 7 30 oh, minutes so they're already hunting. I mean, we got out of the truck, boom, bow, we pull up to a field. We have not, and there's a lot of people, a lot, way more than I was counting. I thought they had gotten us a field and we were going to hunt. Yeah, right, right, right. No. <laughs> so then I was appreciative for the orange hat because I thought, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to get shot. So we work our way down there, and then I realize there's so many people in this small field. You know, I, the number one, we just all need to survive. <laughs> So I, we were kind of away a little bit, just so I, you know, yeah. I got two cameramen. One of them had never been in a hunting environment. Oh, he was boy. nervous. And so uh, we get out there. Of course, we're not going to shoot anything. We have orange hats on. <laughs> and so on the way, they're like, talk about, you know. You, by the way, just so you, in case some of you are wondering, Orange supposedly deer are colorblind. No, they are. That that's legit. Okay, they're they're, they're colorblind. Well, I just didn't know they've ever asked one. I always wonder how do they. Yeah, it's that. it's a safety issue. You don't want and if someone shoots you with a deer rifle, you're not going to make it. You're going you to get shot with birds. So that's shot. where the orange comes yeah. from. But normally with birds, they can see color. Well, because you use decoys, the fact that you have an orange hat on, whatever decoy spread you got. So we walk out there with these people, all the other hunters. They're looking at me. I know what they're thinking. These morons from Louisiana got orange hats on. <laughs> so the guy that invited us be... came over and he said, what's up with the orange hats? I said, well, I read this statute. Well, he read it and said, huh, I guess I've been breaking the law my whole life. So it wasn't just me interpreting. It it seemed legit. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, but he said, but I'm the landowner because it says the landowner doesn't have to, you know. So I was like, well, you're good. He said, well, I ain't worried about y'all. So finally, I just said, hey producer man why don't you call i just don't think this is right yeah this and i said that's what started this conflict in 1700 that we're finding the stuff <laughs> they said the law we're not paying the taxes and i Battles said back on you're the, back said, being a regulator dude. And so they were so frustrated with me the tv people because every time they said talk about the dove hunt i said this is something that i could rise up over and, and cause a fuss this is stupid I'm out here with an orange hat on trying to shoot a dove because it's our treasure, you know. Yeah. I was like, and the government, whoever wrote this, not a hunter. This, I would quit hunting if I had to wear an orange hat. I said, not I to mi- Not so, to mention the fact that you look ridiculous. But just to tell you the truth, I said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so that sent them into panic. Oh, so boy. I said, call the game warden. Call them up. They call them up. And uh, this is what's wrong with, with some government issues. 
Because the secretary, she didn't know. Do we have to wear orange hats? Opening down dust season. She said, well, let me, let me, let me check to get the game worn. He said, I don't think you have to. I said, not good enough. Find somebody else. So I they, want a definitive yeah, answer. They finally find uh, the game warden says, you do not have to do it. You don't have to wear the orange hat. Double. Which instinctively you knew that. Well, the I way knew the it, statute the read. The statute was so confusing because yep. it was written by a non-hunter. I'm and with look, you, I read it 17 times. And, I, and you said, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they make it more clear? Because if you're not clear, you'll break the law and they make money. That's what someone might say. <laughs> So anyway, long story short, we finally get the orange hats off and at least give ourselves a chance. Yeah. And we wind up shooting a few doves then. And then I I got rid of my bitterness and rage because I'm telling you, I was just. And so who knows whether that'll make it or not, because it was a lot of it, people. It was kind of ironic that you were drawn to the area over the same conflict, and now you're having oh, it. Oh, look, it's, that's all I, I talked about. that's pretty good. They said, well, we're not going to run an episode where you're threatening to take on the government the whole time. I said, well, <laughs> don't invite me to go hunt in a place where I'm shooting doves where I got an orange hat on. Because I'm just not going to do it. Oh, I love it. That's and so we awesome. worked it out. But it did remind me of what we're studying, because you know what it was all about? It was an argument over the law. Yeah. It Rude. was all about the law. And, and, and I said, you do you know, and I've known this from past experiences, where grace does not exist is when you break the law. <laughs> That's right. Mm, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for you. Right. So speaking of apparel, Zach, uh, I noticed you got uh, some of the blind gear on today. And so I want to ask you about that because the movie is coming fast. We're, we're now getting within a, a couple of weeks of the, the movie release. So tell us a little bit about that, what you're wearing, what need, folks need to do when they go to the big premiere coming up in September 28th. Yeah, I've got the uh, – this is my favorite shirt. we got a whole collection of apparel at theblindmovie.com. But I've got the shirt on that says, Baptized in the River, which Phil has baptized a many a people in the river. So – I felt like this was uh, appropriate. Yeah, we're all going to kind of wear our shirts to the opening day. It's uh, September 28th. We're getting closer. Man, that's crazy. This is right here. It's kind of nerve-wracking because we've put so much uh, energy into this and time. And uh, um, so, yeah, so I will will say this, though. It's hard, you know. um, It's difficult when you approach this from an independent Christian film perspective, you know, just getting this out there. You know, it's, we're not, we don't have these long-term contracts or deals. A lot of the big studios have where they're guaranteed uh, so many theaters, they're guaranteed so many screenings. So ours is going to be completely like based on, on demand. We'll have an initial run of about 1400. We, we may get more than that uh, if, if we have an early uh, ticket sale. So yeah, so I'd encourage everybody, like, honestly, like we got to have our particularly unashamed nation. Cause that's where, a lot of our projects kind of incubate here off this podcast of Jace, the show Jace was just talking about duck family treasure happened right here on this podcast is where yep. that was birth. Um, this movie, same thing. So it like tickets are out now. So you can go to the blindmovie.com, purchase your tickets, but also purchase uh, one of the shirts and we're all going to wear these. There's different ones. We've got a, a ton of stuff on there, um, but you can go find one that you like and get it in time for that premiere. And, um, That'd be cool too if you guys would let us know once you purchased your ticket and got your shirt. Uh, let us know where you're where you're going to be at um, on the uh, Unashamed Facebook page. I'd love to see what where you guys are going to be at there. So um, yeah, that's what we're doing, man. It's uh, and your experiences from the movie. So as Zach said, independent movies we need a lot of people to go early. Buy tickets early. All that helps us get in more theaters. But I showed it. We yeah, we're doing a part. We have some key partnerships on, on this film that I think are going to really be interesting. One is I am second um, is partnering with us on some of the content, and those guys got to screen it this last weekend. And um, the lady who runs that, which by the way, that happened on the podcast too, because I'm not going to tell you what it is, but yeah, but something happened with I am second, and a partnership emerged that was a, just a god thing. Um, the they were in studio working on another project with you guys heard us talking about the blind that same morning i had said hey we ought to do something like this and then they had called me after hearing that say hey you guys uh would y'all consider doing like a partnership with us i was like it's so funny i just told my team this morning but um anyways but uh the lady watched the film and she and she called me and and, and everyone that's watching has said like this is like real 
This is not um, cheesy. The acting is great. The 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 uh, cinematography is great. The story, like we really tried to tell this story in a way that would be extremely meaningful and impactful, and not we didn't. I mean, Phil was pretty explicit. Don't whitewash the sin. Don't you know? We we want to show this for what it is. Now we had to be careful how he did all that. But I think when you see it, it's such a powerful story of redemption, and and it is hard to get. I mean, I hate to be like, you know, we're not trying to like create controversy that's not there, but I'm telling you it was difficult to get this film distributed. And the only way that these kind of films can happen is if audiences like you, I talked to Steve Deese about this, about nefarious, they had the same issue, but you know, the fan base sh showed up and said, no, we're going to support this um, sound of freedom, same story. Um, you know, we, uh, the chosen same story. So we really, I know you guys typically don't buy, I don't buy theater tickets until like the day of typically, but I get that's not our, our purchasing habits, but I'm asking you guys to go now uh, to the blind com and, uh, and purchase them. So with that, I think we're at break time, right? Yep, we are. Let's take a break. So, Jace, I know you've been um, having to do uh, a lot for your other show. And so part of that has been that um, you've not been able to go and speak and do any speaking engagements because you've been too busy. But you have yeah. made an exception uh, to your schedule, and I want you to tell the audience who, who you're going to speak for. So Chad Robichaux, who is on the podcast, a true, I say, American warrior and hero. Absolutely. Uh, I used to think of myself as a warrior for Christ, you know, until I met this guy. And I'm like, I'm just a lackey uh, <laughs> trying to figure out how to get the gospel out. But he helps our veterans overcoming PTSD yep. at the Mighty Oaks Foundation does incredible work uh and so he invited me to come speak and michael w smith is going to be there for awesome. some worship and uh this guy chad he loves the lord he loves our veterans and it is a fantastic outreach and they desperately need it uh on average 22 uh, veterans commit suicide unfortunately yep. a day one's too many that's right and so uh i'm humbled Honored and a little nervous about going, but right. I just I want to I want to spread faith, hope, and love. You're going to do great. It's the Mighty Oaks 13th Annual Warrior Gala. Uh, it's in the Woodlands, Texas, on October 14th at the beautiful Woodlands Resort. And so you're not only just coming to hear Jay speak, but you're supporting a fantastic ministry that's helping a lot of our guys. So grab your friends, your family, your neighbors, anyone who has a heart for veterans. Go to the website txgala.com Texas Gala is what that stands for txgala.com that's where you can get your tickets get all the details about this great night great event with our own Jace there to speak we'll see you there All right, so uh, we're back to our study in, in Luke today, which we're excited about. For you guys, the audience, you've been listening to us do these right up until you know the last couple of episodes. But for us, we took a little break. Uh, I needed two weeks just to cover that. I don't think I've ever given a sermon about money. And I'm actually, I'm going to confess my uh, reservations right off the bat here. <laughs> A lot of what yeah. is said in the religious setting from the pulpits, you know, bother me about money. <laughs> but after reading this, I, I will say another thing. What Jesus is fixed to describe in chapter 12, and really in what? The next three or four 14, chapters. Yeah. Uh, no, 15 and 16. Yeah, it's quite it, a bit. It, yeah, I didn't realize. In fact, realize. it really even bleeds over into 18 and 19 because you got the rich yeah, young ruler, Zacchaeus. I mean, all those are around heart and wealth. Well, look, heart think about this. One third, I looked this up, almost one third, it's like 29%. Almost one third of all Jesus' parables had something to do with possessions or money was implied. That's correct. I mean, just think about that. I, I, I've got my reservations too. I'm looking right here on my desk. Can y'all see this? This is, I don't know what, there's oh, literally a dollar, a dollar bill. bill sitting on my desk right as we're talking about money. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a Hondo. I thought but you it was, were, well, if you, <laughs> yeah. was days, things must not be going so great around the Dasher household is the dollar bill. But what I was going to say, meanwhile, in our modern culture today, there's a whole movement, you know, I don't know how, maybe you will know more about this than me, Zach, but 
I think they call it prosperity gospel or yeah, that's like where if you, the more you do for God, he'll do for you financially. And well, this is fixing to be the exact opposite. (laughs) So I'm not sure where they're getting that idea, but it's not from Luke 12 or Luke six or Luke 16 or even Luke 15. Well, and so much of it, just to give a little bit of a broad stroke is, you know, Jesus is preparing them for, the kingdom living now being a part of their everyday lives. Everything now has been getting us to the kingdom, right? The kingdom is near. I'm here. The king is coming, all these things. And so when we get into the early chapters in Acts, Jace, you're going to see these principles that he's laying out here actually lived out where they got together as a community. They were taking care of one another's needs. They were just advancing, talking about you know what God had done for them. So I think he's just setting up for the way they're going to be living. What's happened is over the course of 2,000 years, mankind comes along and sinfulness and greed and everything else, and then they start twisting that back around the other way where you can actually live the utopia here on earth, and that's never what Christ had in no. Exactly. So and that's the big picture. And what I was going to say is, you know, the reason I don't do that is I do think we need to say this before we begin this. Uh, and I heard Tim Keller say something one time that was funny, but true. He did a series on like the seven deadly sins or whatever. And his wife had told him, so when you, when you get to greed, your crowd's not going to show up. <laughs> he was like, why, why greed, you know? And he said, after she was right, <laughs> that they didn't show up, uh, he he kind of came at it from a different angle was his application, but he was like, because nobody really thinks they have that problem. Right. It's like, I don't yeah. struggle with that. And then I got, it it's made like me, pride. it made me start thinking before I say what I think we are to, are to say before we start. I've never, of all the hundreds of if not thousands of people that have come to my living room and sat down, I've shared Jesus and there's been marriage issues and talks about sex graphically, you know, from them and all these other things. I've never had one person ever come up to me and say, you know what? I'm greedy. My problem is greed. Never. Have you? I don't know that I have. (laughs) And I used to say the same thing about legalism, which was in the section before we talked about until one Sunday, somebody came forward and responded and said, you know what? I'm a legalist. And I said, well, you're the first one I've ever heard admit it. And so you're right. It's almost the same background. Well, you got to remember, uh, we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Where are you at, Phil? I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse about 10 or 12, 13. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. I'm just saying, this thing, when you get to wondering about, is it wrong to pay preachers? Well, that there says... <laughs> no. It's, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the way it is. If somebody... there Now, I don't take any money with church and all that. But, I, but to I, your point, it's how you view... What he's talking about is how you view possessions... And money, and and a situation arises that we're fixed. Yeah, if, to read you, if you're looking this. at the money more than the people that are converted, well, I mean, let's face it though, there are people who are using the gospel for financial gain. That is correct. Period. Wrong. Wrong. Make, makes God and, and saying that. If but but you just can't weed them all out. At no. the, and there are also yeah. people who have put their security in how much money they have. And I'm talking about security in life. Look, that's wrong because what's going to happen? You can't take it with you. Nope. It's not going to help you. Paul said, I've not used any of these rights. He could have. Yeah. But he said, you know, and I hope, uh, and I am not uh, writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I'd rather die than, than have anyone deprive me of this boast. So, yet when I come preach the gospel, I cannot boast for I'm compelled to preach. He's not doing it for the money, 
No. But if some people are being paid to do it, well, well, that's why it's a hard thing. And one thing I loved about Paul was that he wasn't paid, and yet he made a case for those who were being paid that that was okay to pay him. So it, 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 it's not as much They're about a little money. heavy on where's the money and not as heavy as the message is being taught, right. preached. But, Phil, my point is a lot of the world, rightly so, looks at what's happening in the modern church today. I mean, I don't know if I talked about this before. If I did, we don't have to do it again. But I was— Actually, someone sent me a clip from uh, Ali Beth Stuckey's podcast, who we had on the podcast. Yeah, she's been on a couple times. She had a guy on her podcast who was, I can't remember what it was called, Sneaker Preacher or Preacher Sneaker. He has a, he has a social media outlet called, I think it's called Preacher Sneakers. It's called Preacher yeah. Sneakers. You, yeah. you know what's funny? Uh, you you listen to that? Is, no, but I, but but I know who the guy is. Kirby is his name. He is actually from Ruston. And when, really, I guess yeah, it's weird. He uh, he's a little bit he's younger than me, but we both had an affinity for uh, apologetics. I used to meet with this guy like once. You once know every that guy? So. Look, I listened. I it was the, the it was the first podcast I've ever listened to from start to finish because I found it very interesting. <laughs> Look, this guy. Jace, we've done 750 episodes. No, I can't do it. Look, so the guy. We're an award-winning podcast. He has a social media handle that went, and I'm not trying to promote the guy's handle because you're going to be disappointed. Here's all he does. He takes a picture of a preacher and and zeroes in on the shoes, and then he puts up how much the shoes cost. That's all he does. There's no banter or you know he just and he he calls them sneaker preachers because some of these sneakers cost like five thousand dollars or seventy five hundred dollars or or and it's you more than these for about uh <laughs> phil is holding his foot up well hey we get let's get a now picture look, that may ben. look good ben, ben Kirby. okay That's everybody's showing ben their shoes look i will not yeah. be on preacher sneaker <laughs> Uh, hey, these. Hey, look at this, y'all. Oh, Zach Barefoot. <laughs> That's the ultimate sneaker preacher. Yeah. These were given hey, to almost, me. Almost not a shoe. Back when this company used to be a sponsor for us, these were given to me about 10 or 12 years ago, and uh, I'm still wearing them. So, but I'm not going to raise my leg up because I'm afraid I might hurt my hip. <laughs> but what I was going to say you is can't get I can't give the reason up. it went viral, because I've said many times, I, I thought I invented this, but evidently I didn't. On many podcasts, go back in the last 700, I've said that sometimes people's attire bothered me when I would go to like a worship seminar or whatever and the preacher would get up. Yeah. And I'm like what is up with this kid up? You know, it's like high, high top shoes. And it seemed to be like an undiscussed pattern that was sweeping across America. I was like, why are we wearing these uh, weird outfits as preachers? It bothered me. And 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 the long coats. Hang on, let's let's take another break. So we know from our uh, hunting property over here that uh, the fall season is the planting season. Right, you try to get that. You know, we've had a scorcher. Late summer, yeah, late summer, early fall. Uh, trying to get some uh, some duck food planted. What for you in your neighborhood? Uh, you're trying to maybe get some trees planted or some shrubs or something in your yard to make things look really nice this fall. So one of our sponsors uh, that we love is FastGrowingTrees.com is where they are. Uh, they have experts that curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your climate or your location or your needs. You don't have to drive around to these giant uh, gardening centers and try to figure out what you can do and how am I going to get this stuff home. Uh, it's easy. You order it online. Your plants are shipped right to your door in one or two days. Um, so whether you're looking for some shade or some natural beauty, uh, these guys are going to be able to help you find the right thing. They got good advice for you 24 uh, 7 to get some fast growing trees. Lisa and I have used them before down at the Southern Lair. We got some palm trees from them. They came in great shape. So if you've never had a green thumb, uh, they'll make you feel like you do. They've got over 1 million customers across the country, and they also have a 30 day alive and thrive guarantee. So you can trust everything uh, that's going to be healthy for years to come. So the listeners of Unashamed are going to get 15% off your first entire order when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Robertson, but only through October 15th. So you better get after it. 
That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Robertson, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Robertson. I'm on the guy's website, and it says, the Lord works in mysterious colorways. Let he who is without Yeezys, which is a, a famous shoe, uh, cast the first stone, and he's got one after another. Well, I don't oh, want to wow. throw people under the bus, but there was, uh, even with the with the Hillsong controversy and all that happened, you know, well, one of the preachers, it turned out he was having an affair and all, but he used to wear that garb, and Missy and I watched a documentary on it, which, look, I don't trust the TV people, so I, I just, I thought I would watch it just to see what happened, but... We got to talking about it, and we had heard the guy speak. Uh, we were at a worship conference, and Missy said, you remember the first thing you said when he got up? Because he was a preacher from New York City or whatever. And I leaned over, and I said, I would never trust a guy wearing what that guy's wearing. Because it just looked like a space suit, which I didn't realize this this was a thing. Yeah. And my only point in bringing all this up is, rightfully so, a lot of people don't come to Jesus one of their excuses, which is, look, we know why people don't come to Jesus. It has nothing to do with these things. You're not be able to stand before the Almighty yeah. and blame it on the preacher's outfit. Exactly. But the excuse they give is these people are hypocrites. Or they just want my money. I've heard that a thousand times, exactly. you know, especially when I was younger. Yep. And look, in a lot of cases, yeah, they do want the, your money, and they're living high off the hog, and they got $5,000 tennis shoes on. Yeah. And that's So you read the Bible, and you're like, what happened to all this? Sell everything you have. It's blessed to be poor. It's... So I think that's kind of the problem here. When you read the Bible, if I was on that website, I would feel really convicted and guilty based on what I'm reading, even though that's what I'm saying. It's not wrong to have nice things. And so somewhere in there, we're going to get into this. What I wanted to do just to make people relax, because like I said, I don't like it when preachers get up and give a 30-minute sermon on giving. You know, I've multiple times oh, I've yeah. gone down and said, what is the deal? Well, we're doing a sermon series on money. Really? But here's my thinking on that. And the reason I stay away from it as a general rule, but after 750 podcasts and the Lord's Word, I, it, it, it is a compelling argument that we should discuss. But what I want to say is the reason I don't want to do that on Sunday mornings as a general rule is because people have to know Jesus first. If you get up, I mean, that's where we should spend our time because only he is going to convict you in how you view money, and, and he, only he can change your heart. So I generally, we're at all different growth places in our life, and so I tend to stick with, with Jesus. I, I figure out if you fall in love with Jesus and you read everything he says, you'll figure this out about your view of money. Because if you don't, and you go up there and give a seminar on money, it's like what I said about uh, greedy people. Nobody thinks they're greedy. Mm -hmm. That's why he says, and what I'm fixed to read, he says, watch out. Well, he never says watch out about adultery. So you think, did he never say watch out for adultery? No, because you know what that is. Yeah. You, you, you don't, if you walk in and someone is having adultery, you don't have to say, watch out. That, well, you, you, you know what that is. So I think the reason he uses that phrase, watch out, watch out for greed, because you don't realize you're greedy. Because it, 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 that's right, it, it's sneaky. I'll tell you something else, Jay, before you read their text. Another thing I've discovered, and I want to say this, because I know there's a lot of young pastors out there that are listening my second bite at the apple of preaching. You know how I'm able to avoid what Jace was just talking about, thinking of a series on whatever, just fill in the blank, is just preach the Bible. Yeah. If you'll just preach the text, you're going to deal with everything you need to deal with in the pulpit. So to all never young preachers the out there, you preach, preach the word, yeah. literally the words of I've God. I've never known a preacher that got out there and preached the word who was after money. The ones that preach the word, that preach the word. That's a good point. I like I, that. I think that to Jace's point, the reason why this greed thing he said too, like says watch out, is because people they want to make they want to make it about a dollar amount, right? If you have this amount of money, but that's relative. And you can be greedy and make and not have a lot of money. You can still be greedy. Oh, no yeah, doubt. You can, you can and you can be filthy rich and not be greedy. 
I mean, there's people that we know that I know that give away half of their income to mission. And like, you know, I, I think that it's, it's not like a, that's why the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. What does it say? The, the love, of, love money. of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I, so I think it's, it is much more of a, of, of what is your posture, what's your heart towards wealth. And I think it's something that probably nobody's going to like fully master it either. I mean, I think it's something you, you got to deal yeah. with and you got to continue. to Well, so let me. All right, so so we I just want to lead up to this point because this is a shift in our text. Like this is kind of uh, something happens here, kind of a random, seemingly random happening to, in this world we've been studying, and it's going to sort of shift our conversation. So we talked about legalism back in chapter the end of chapter eleven that the uh, Pharisees and what they were into disputes it, over the law, which I just had law, one, right, which was Jesus was talking about earlier. Yeah. And then we get to Luke, the first 12 verses here and those same people, he was talking about hypocrisy. He was talking about denial of the Holy spirit. So all that leads into this. And then we have in verse 13, something happens that then shifts our conversations. So yeah. And this one that. thing that happens now you got to remember, cause I want to do a little setup and also, and the reason we're going to take so much time on this, because this is very confusing. I mean, I don't know how many times you read this in preparing for this. Several. <laughs> yeah, I read this several hundred times. And so in chapter 12, look, you have a crowd, verse 1, of many thousands yep. that had gathered so that they were trampling on one, one another. And Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. And you can imagine so here's the backdrop, and it's almost like he's there's too many people for him to even address, you know, without a sound system. And and then he talks about it, where the crowd is hearing this, this idea of money gets in, it comes up, because with all these thousands of people, and he's talking to his disciples, in verse 13, which is where we're at, yep. someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And it's like a record scratch moment. Now, the, uh, the word, the Greek word for teacher there, uh, also used as rabbi. And they, Al did a lot of research. On, he had a few notes about this where they would settle uh, civil disputes. Because they, and, were, they were a recognized uh, arbitrator. Under that system, and you think about it, the Romans were actually in charge, but no, no Jewish person was going to go to the Romans or to to civil court. So who were they going to turn to? Their religious leaders. So the rabbi would have been the arbiter between these two guys. However, although I agree with Al's research and I agree with everything he just said, I don't think this guy was being sincere. And here's why: because Jesus didn't have the pedigree for that. He did. I, I really think he certainly it, wasn't like any other rabbi. It was a sinister question you know you're because because you got to remember the context what was jesus talking about in the first 12 verses before we got here which we did a whole podcast on it but he's talking about there's nothing that won't be con you know that there's nothing concealed that won't be disclosed or hidden that may be known and he had just said don't be like the pharisees which is hypocrisy i mean he yep. called them hypocrites yep and that's why I'm going back to this. What are the two things that people use as excuses for not coming to Jesus? Hypocrites, and they want my money. Yep. And here we got both barrels are going to be addressed. Dad used to say that. But you're look, you're saying was man, in, insurance salesmen and preachers they got that hair slicked back because they're going the other way with your money. Yeah. But was, think <laughs> about what Jesus had just said before this question was asked. Look, he said in verse four, "Don't be afraid of those who kill the body." And after. Uh, they can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. And he's like, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? So he's talking about the afterlife and how valuable you are. You're worth way more than sparrows. And he says he knows how many numbers of hairs that are on your head. And look, I I did the research. There's, do you know how many hairs are on your head? No. Average, on average? No. Do you know that? I've seen some with very few, and I've seen some with a lot. Yeah. You don't, don't know, know that? Do you want to take a guess? I'm going to say about seven 
million. You're way off. You lost a hundred thousand. But listen to this. Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. And look, you lose five I'm to probably ten, down to about five thousand. Well you lose to five to ten thousand a day. And so you think, well the math doesn't add up. But it grows back. They grow back. They yeah. grow back. But listen to this. I thought this was until they don't. The average human has a hundred thousand hairs, but if you're blonde, you have a hundred and fifty thousand. Mm. Brown hair, hundred and ten thousand. Black hair, a hundred thousand. Red haired. 90,000. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, but it averages out to 100,000, which I thought was interesting that Jesus is making a point that he knows how many hairs are on your head currently. And so what is his point? Why are you worried? Why are you fearful? Because when you get to money and you get this question, here's Jesus talking about the kingdom coming, eternal life, heaven and hell. And so there's too many people. He's talking to his disciples. They're overhearing, and a voice from the crowd says, Tell me, my brother, tell my brother, <laughs> tell, me, my, tell brother. my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> so that tells you right there where is he putting his security? Uh, his beauty, because, you know, even when Jesus is It is kind of strange that he hasn't been listening to what Jesus has been talking about, if that's your question. Which leads to one of the few times in the Bible, only a couple that I found, where Jesus calls someone a fool. <laughs> and, and we'll get to that. Yeah. So, and, and the reason this is confusing, and uh, Peter is, is really confused, because now, we're going to talk about the next few podcasts about these next three paragraphs. He tells a par parable about the rich fool yep. in response to this, hey, my, you know, there's an injustice going on, and my brother yeah. is keeping half the money, and we need you to settle right. that. In the middle of the heaven and hell, and the kingdom is coming, and, you know, trust me, and God knows how many hairs are on your head and all this. And Well, hey, that sounds all great, but I got I got shafted. It reminded, it reminded me. Let's take our last breath. Reminded me, Jason, when I used to teach, I, I, I don't teach much anymore, but I preach. But when I used to teach, there was a certain sister who has now crossed over. But I called it my sprinkler lessons because I would, I would, you know, you teach, you scan an audience, but I would get over to her section and I was like a sprinkler head. I would switch back and go the other way because she always had an inappropriate question for well, every right. single Bible class. That's this guy. This laugh, guy was that person. We're laughing about this, but I'm going to tell you, we got to be careful because a lot of our responses at the altar and all, you know, you hear some great sermon about the you know spiritual qualities the fruits of the spirit in heaven and hell and changing your heart and on somebody responds is like look this guy did me wrong at job you know at my at my workplace and uh you know i'm it, it's like wait what we're talking about weightier thing god's gonna take care of you right well why are we bringing this up but what jesus says in the next three paragraphs and the reason we're taking so long to set this up is so radical and so profound, and people skip over it, just to prove how radical it was, in verse 41, Peter asks, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? <laughs> it was so incredible, Jesus' response to this guy saying, look, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. Peter had to say, is this to them? Because you got to remember, they've pretty well left everything to follow him and it's just a withering barrage of being watchful and not worrying and and not putting your faith and possessions and so he was a little conflicted or, or is this does this mean us too i mean so you had the same reaction i had to it Jay. it starts out with some, a response to a guy sort of a foolish question but then Jesus takes this and expands it if you were watching it it would be like you were watching a reverse funnel because he's going to go into worry, which you mentioned. He's going to go into watchful. I mean, like, the way he expands this question into yeah. kingdom living is incredible. So now I've repented because I feel like if you're going to talk about money, you have to do like a three-part process. Yeah. 
uh, a sermon series, what they call them, on this chapter, to, to feel comfortable and to realize that, look, we got a lot of bad habits about the way we view money. And, and the worst thing that comes to light here is that greedy people don't know they're greedy. Yep. And, uh, you know, before I read this, e- even, you remember the guy that played for LSU? Uh, he was cornerback. Greedy Williams. He, yeah. His name was Greedy Williams. Now, just think about that. <laughs> Nobody's going to name their their kid Adultery Williams. <laughs> Liar Williams. The guy's name was Greedy. Sexual Immorality Jones. And you're like, well, that's funny. No, it's really not. We just don't think that's real. And and I read a lot of surveys just to drive this point home to Zach's point that he made earlier. So let me give you two quotes from these surveys. Two-thirds of people, two-thirds, talking more than half, of people making over $100,000 a year, when asked, they said they don't have enough for what they need. Hmm. Now, I, I, you just think about that. They're like, we're making $100,000, but when asked, and th- they really felt comfortable with that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, what am I doing? What You don't have enough for what you need? That was the question. Do you have enough for what you need? need? Not what you want. There's always someone with more. Uh, next illustration, which is what this is about. And look, I read how many... Civil disputes are there on a daily basis. I tried to do the by the day, by the week, by the year over inheritance. And here's here's what I came up with. Millions. There are in our country, there are millions of civil cases over what happens when somebody dies and there's an inheritance involved. Millions. It you say what happened? And here's why. Here's another survey point. 90%, 9 out of 10, of households who inherited family money expected more. 90%. And, and it goes back to this expectation. She said, why are there so many civil cases? Why are there? Because 90% of people, when it got down, said, here's what you got from the inheritance. 90% of them said, that wasn't enough. <laughs> And so there was a quote when I listened to one of uh, Tim Keller's sermons, who he was quoting someone else, but I couldn't make out the name. But it, here was the quote. In death, the tensions and secrets beneath the surface of family life emerge, <laughs> which is why it becomes so combustible, which is why this guy's asking this. Which so, is so interesting about it, Jace, because inheritance is is the one main source of money that you don't earn. Well, exactly. I mean, it should be a gift, which by the way, just at a practical level, I mean, I did this years ago and I've related to my kids as well. I hope they have the same attitude as me, but dad, I told you a mom years ago that I had zero expectations of ever getting a penny from y'all because you raised me up the right way and sent me into the world to make my own way. And so I, my whole life view has been, you don't owe me anything. Yep. And so other than it's what you've way to think. it's a debt to be paid already. Well, the reason we don't see the dangers of it, because look at all the catchphrases we use. You know, people say my hard-earned money. Well, when you inherit it, well, that's not hard-earned money. No, it's no. just, you know. And then they'll say, well, we got life-changing money. What does that mean? I thought Jesus changes your life. Mm. Good point. You know, we use all these catch for it's like naming your son greedy. It it, it doesn't it's not registered. Although for a defensive back, it was a pretty good name. Well, it turned out great. It turned out good for it. And so really what happens is when these inheritance things happen, somebody dies, your emotions are running high. Think of all the things that happen. Their guilt can happen because you feel like you didn't deserve it. You know, the money so you feel guilty. Rivalry happens because you're looking at kid number two well he got what you wanted and you're like well wait a minute now that person never even loved you well this ain't fair jealousy jealousy uh resentment so now you're now you're bitter at a person who's dead who you were supposed to love that's right and now there's resentment embarrassment you're like well this is yeah this is crazy i mean i thought i was the number one son. shame i mean you there's just a list of, of things that 
happen, which is why it's, it's, you know, it's like people lose their religion in these moments. It is. And so... Uh, a lot of that's that expectation. What was that quote, Zach, you did earlier that you did it jokingly? Yeah, expe- expectations are, are premeditated resentments, which that's pretty it true right with there. my grand... Yeah. When, when my grandparents died, you know, I didn't, I didn't have expectations. And, and that what I did want was more sentimental stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I did want... Like a, me and Grant both got a, one of their coffee mugs and things like that. But, you know, when when your loved ones die, and particularly when it's like your grandparents and they've lived a full life and they've accumulated a lot of stuff, you know, that, that moment when you're in there going through it, I mean, it it is, it's a sobering moment to go through people's belongings and to go yeah. through their top, their junk drawers and their, you know, the sheds. And it's like, and you're just, I mean, half this stuff, it's like my, my granddad spent his whole life, not, not, not in a bad way, but he had tools and mowers and, you know, some weapons, guns and all the, you're just going through this stuff. And it's like, man, it, it is sobering at the end of it. And you got to think whatever you're piling up right now, one day somebody's going to go through your place. It's going to happen. And yeah. they're going to be dividing up your stuff. Yeah. And half of it's going to be sold or given away to the local thrift store, you know, to help, you know, whatever cause it there is. But I mean, it, you, it's, it, it just puts it in perspective, which I think this passage is, that's what it, it's, yeah, it's painting exactly. that picture. Well, let me, before we close, I want to at least read it now that we can talk about it in overtime in the next podcast. So his response in verse 14 is, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator or divider mm-hmm. between you? Then he said to him, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And we'll talk about the different kinds. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. So that's good. We'll, uh, <clears throat> we're out of time uh, on a regular under shame. We'll, we'll begin to break this down in our overtime segment. If you want to follow us over at slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.